November 10th, 1775. That's the day the Continental Marines were born. Here on the third lieutenant, the Marines have landed. I'm excited to share with you the first installation of Backstage. Meet a Marine on a mission, one cigar at a time. Normally we do this a little further along in the process, but since um, since we're recording this on 9-11 and sharing just our own thoughts and feelings really about how we connect with remembering the loss of life, remembering the, the loss of, um, the loss of freedom from fear mm. is, is how I connect with 9-11. And I was an adult, I was an adult. So there are young people today who are in uniform weren't alive right yeah, yeah that's you know we're, even when um last year 18 years you know because we talked about uh people who joined the military when they're 18 or sometimes they get the waiver at 17 there are young men and women who were not even alive during that time time and place and they're signing up so it's very it's very uh it's very interesting it's kind of like how history just moves forward and it's just something that we will always remember so i'll one-up you mm. there I, I enlisted when i was 17. there are young soldiers who have enlisted who weren't alive when 9-11 happened cannot vote mm. correct correct yeah cannot vote and uh there's there's like a whole sort of things of uh cannot vote cannot, cannot drink um, cannot smoke you know age of it's very interesting age of 21 years old here in new jersey um but they are allowed to go overseas in a in a foreign country you know defend the rights of the constitution and be able to be in a different area so it's like you have all these things and then it's like oh you can't vote you know, 17, can't drink, uh, 21, smoke in some, some, some states, 21. So, uh, but there, you know, I, I've always enjoyed that, not enjoyed it, but I've seen, I don't know if you've seen a picture going around where you're, you know, 17 years old and you have to write a will. You know, not a lot of people, not a lot of people have that experience, you know? Um, where you're 17 years old, 18 years old, and I, I remember when I, when I deployed, you had to put your next of kin. You know, you're writing down your mother's name. How many of us were like actually married during that time? So you're putting down your mother's father's name. You're putting your sister's name. Not a lot of people at age 17, 18, experience that. So I, that's why it's a very unique kind of environment that you're going into. And uh, uh, every time I see that picture, it's, you know, it's. It's not like you're, you're proud, but it's just something that you'll never forget that you have, you're doing something that not a lot of people do, age 17, 18. I mean, there, I know adults now that don't even have a will. Like, think about that. Like, who is your next of kin? Um, so it's it's very, it's very, it's it's an experience that, that, that not a lot of people go through, as we said. So I just have to share with anybody that's listening that this is our first conversation. We met through a veterans network. 
I shared the podcast, you shared interest, and I want to know more. So the Mobile Cigar Lounge, we were just talking about soldiers, Joes, <laughs> grunts <laughs> that yep. can't smoke, yet they can fight, they can die. So tell me about how you got started, not the beginning. We're not talking about tobacco being introduced to England beginning, but what's your <laughs> beginning and what's your relationship to tobacco? Because I've seen pictures. So tell me more. No, and, uh, I, you know, I like to tell everybody, one, one of my first cigars were over in Iraq. And uh, a big a big phrase that a lot of military people might know is smoke them if you got them. So some of the people that might be listening might be like, oh, what does that mean? And for us, smoking with Figatum is we're taking a tactical pause. Sometimes we're, we're in the middle of the training or you're, you're in country and you're middle patrol, you're, you're, you're stopping and you're kind of like, you, you'll hear your sergeant, you'll hear um, your staff sergeant, your corporal, whoever, your fire team leader, squally, and they'll say, hey, gents, hey, ladies, smoking with Figatum. So for, for that, that's like a pause. And it's very interesting if you look into it. Uh, you kind of have this couple moments of camaraderie and even though i didn't know what cigars were or 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 meant during that time um it did give me an opportunity to shut down what was going on around us and just commune with for me you know being in the marine corps infantry was commune with my brothers and just tell a couple jokes get a little light lighthearted humor in there but but that was an opportunity that we can remember who we are and it's kind of like the humane characteristics that people have. So one of my first cigars were, was definitely not right. I didn't know, I was inhaling. I thought it was just disgusting at the time because I didn't know how to smoke. You know, people who don't know how to smoke know that you, you, can't, you can't inhale. And then, so that was my first, my first exposure, right? Because I was never a smoker growing up. It just so happened during the military that tobacco and alcohol gets introduced to you. <laughs> so that's another story, right? Um, so in 2011, I remember graduating. I attended a private military school up in Vermont. It's called Norwich University. And at that time, you know, I was almost towards the end of my Marine Corps career as well. And I remember during the graduation, we were all sitting in a circle and we're just, you know, we're all have our uniforms on, we have our, our diplomas in, in hand and we're saying congratulations. And one of my good friend's father brings cigars around. And uh, we just we just started, we just started smoking. It was just that, and same thing. I didn't know, I at that time I was smoking cigarettes, you know, on and off, right? But then I didn't know that you still didn't inhale. So people who didn't smoke, we're fine with it. I was struggling. Like I was taking a puff and I was like, I was just trying not to cough. You know, I'm trying to hide it. I'm like, yeah, what is going on? How are you guys doing this? And he's like, no, you're not supposed to inhale. And so then a, a thing that, that brought to me is like, I'll always remember that moment. So a thing that we like to say in our company is that I might not remember the cigar, but I remember the people I smoked it with. So I think it's a very powerful thing. It's that camaraderie, it's that community, it's social. The thing about a cigarette, you know, not, not busting on cigarettes, it's a quick smoke, you know, you're, you're there for less than two minutes, let's say. So it's kind of quick and puff. But the cigar, it's like you're, you're dedicated to that time. A cigar usually takes anywhere between, you know, especially the Robusto size, 30 to a church hill, like an hour. So you're dedicated to that time to experience the 
the artsmanship between a cigar, but then the cigar is just the vessel. The opportunity is the experience. So I usually tell people when you usually don't find me smoking unless I'm working or I'm with good company. Mm. That's when you can see me smoking. You know, there's some people that smoke by themselves, but for me, it's just the opportunity while I'm working or while I'm good people. Because as I said, it's just it's just the vessel. So that was, and so I went to Iraq in 08 or 09. I graduated college in 2011. And then my business partner, best friend still, right? I've, I've, I've played rugby with him, went to school together. He, he was a Joe, he went to Afghanistan, uh, graduated as an officer from, from, from the school. And um, he, he hit me up and he goes, hey, I'm coming from Texas, I'm moving to New Jersey because I got a job. We met up and every weekend we would just go to this uh, cigar shop, um, cigar emporium, and we would just sit there for hours. And sometimes it's over a drink, sometimes it's over food, but you know what? It was that point in time of camaraderie that really made it happen. So as we walk through these times of camaraderie, socialization, sometimes we're reminiscing about the experiences we had in the past. And in that special moment, how can we do this, you know, in the civilian sense, right? And for that, and just talking about the military, you think about, you know, the Winston Churchill, you think about all the guys, you know, MacArthur with the pipe or the tobacco, or you, or you think that after a victory, especially the military, you smoked a cigar, you know? So there's so many of these components that moved into the vessel of this, as you said, way back before it was brought back to the Europe from the Native Americans, this is way back. But now, how do we take this and, and move with it as a civilian sense? You look at weddings, you look at private parties, you look at milestones that people do. The 50th, half a century, your wedding, birth of a child. Wait, We're, stop right there. Birth of a child, the beginning, right? The beginning. And you give, you give it to the father, right? You don't give it to the mother. Right? You don't no. give it to the mother. We're not condoning smoking. Right, right. right. Give right. it to the father. And it's interesting because, you know, both of us have referenced like bringing this tradition, bringing this cultural influence from the Americas to Europe when this is, you know, this is pre establishment of the United States. This is the first yeah. colony, right? This is the first right. colony. And royalty in England adopted this. Different people, I'm sure, had different opinions about it. But then it became a status symbol. Correct. It became a status symbol. And I, and I see even today, I'm not a smoker. And during out processing, they told me hookahs don't count, right? They said it doesn't count. I don't know. <laughs> but I'm not a smoker. But I do recognize, like you're saying, the camaraderie. Right? You see tankers with their cigars. You see field artillery with their cigars, right? And, and and it looks cool. And I think that's part of you know propaganda in movies and what we've seen. But it does seem to be a part of an embedded in lifestyle. Mm, agreed. Agreed. And I, I love I love what you that you're saying. You're absolutely right. It's uh, I don't know if you knew about what the Native Americans thought about their first tobacco. So for, for them, I was reading, when you take this tobacco plant from the earth and you breathe it out, it's like you're, you're exhaling, you're giving thanks to Mother Earth. So for them, it was a very spiritual 
spiritual sense where you're taking this leaf that was given to you and you're breathing, but you're giving it respect. So then when you talk about the, I guess, the status when it did come to Europe, where the elites had it, there was a status of, oh, I could smoke a cigar. You know, the, the change of the cigar appearance changed over time. But then the the association with it was was to the the upper class. But then I think that's why it's such a, a, a novelty because we look at the tankers, you know, we're talking about military balls, um, army, our army birthday, Marine Corps birthday. It's just a way to celebrate. And uh, I think that's a big piece to it. You're absolutely right. And with every, I think, full set of lungs, <laughs> you, you, you get that you get that confidence you get that machismo you get that right swag Correct. so I know you have a thought about ego and you have a call it's cool take the call yeah, sorry, sorry. <laughs> no worries I want to talk about I want to talk about the advice that you have for those 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 young Marines, because you're a Marine, and I don't even think you introduced yourself. Yeah, so my name is Joey MacDizon. I'm the co-founder and CEO of the Mobile Cigar Lounge. As a matter of fact, what was your, what was your MOS? What was your... So I was the 0311, or the 11 Bravo. Oh, so I was, okay. I was, infantry, I was a, you're, you're a grunt. Yeah, I'm a, just so everyone's listening, I'm a grunt. You're a grunt. <laughs> it's okay. My father, my father was an 11 Bravo. My father was right. infantry. Um, I'm hoping to get a, uh, an artillery slot next. Uh, mm. I'm a little, I'm, I'm trying to get myself prepared. I'm trying to get prepared mentally, right? They say mentally and physically tough. That's, that is the way that I, that's the impression that I want to make. And not just to be superficial, but it's mm. a different operating environment. You know, the communications is obviously what they're, they're, they're hiring me for, but mm. acclimating to the culture, knowing how to hold the, the cigar, air quotes, knowing uh, the, the, the protocol, right? right? The etiquette, and the protocol. Exactly. Yeah. So every time we go into that new assignment, civilian or in uniform, looking around, taking the time to assess the new AO, right? Situational awareness is, is everything. So this is not... This is not traditionally how I interview for the third lieutenant. We're looking at education. We're looking at higher education and how that plays a role in the path of the service member. But there's so much more. There's so much more nuance. There's so many other details than what degree you have. So you have a, you have a degree. I have a degree. But we're also people, right? Mm. So that, that fuzzy bunny, that, that E1 with no rank, Right, coming in can pick up a cigar and pick up swag with it, right? What is the advice you have that young Marine or that young soldier in terms of how to how to in integrate themselves in their unit, how to serve their leadership? You, you know what? Uh, I, I always give this a piece of advice. Is sometimes we forget what an E1 or an O1 mentality is right and what's the first thing Can you, you say that again you gotta say e1 and o1 mentality <laughs> you know a, bi a big thing that the advice that you get is, especially o1s and e1s look up to those to those vets that have been there for a while right so if you're if you're an e1 you're looking up to your your corporal or your sergeant if you're an o1 you're looking to your veteran staff ncos that have been there for a while and 
you know, when that piece of advice is you got to put your ego in your back pocket, especially when, when you move forward. And I always tell people, you know, think of that mentality that you're, you're just asking questions. You're making sure that you're doing the right thing. And people sometimes forget that. But once you really dive back in of what did you think of when you were that position? Hey, I'm trying not to do anything wrong. Let me ask some questions. You might be nervous, but those people want to help you out. And they want to make sure they succeed for you. Because if anything, that, that corporal doesn't want to see you mess up. You know what I'm saying? They, they, they're not, you know, of, of course, they'll be fun and stuff. But at the same time, he has superiors as well. So to be that E1 and O1 is to just to really put your ego in your back pocket and ask the right questions. The first thing I did when I went to a cigar lounge, it was a good friend of mine. He's he's he was a Marine, you know, back in the '80s. And the first thing I asked him was like, "What are the etiquettes? When when like, am I supposed to? How am I supposed to smoke it? Like, I don't want to. I want to make sure that I carry myself at a certain standard. And if I don't ask those right questions, I I don't know where I'm going to be in that standard line. So. You know, he taught me how to hold, how to how to smoke it, how to light it, what to do after it. It's just a lot of those things that really that really uh, bring back to that E one hundred one mentality. Sounds like TTPs to me. Yeah. Sounds like <laughs> sounds like SOP to me. It sounds like yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, the the way that we handle our weapon, the way that we wear our uniform, the protocol. Right. Right. And, and that doesn't leave you when you take the uniform off. And I and I recognize that in you. I see you right now. We're both civilians. That's how we're going to we're going to frame this. And it's Joey. So what do they call you? What are your what are your uh, your battle buddies call you? What do I get to call you? So, you know, they call me by they call me Joey Mack was my first name. I get my my, my battle buddies or my Marines that call me by my last name, Dizon. You know, so I, I I respond to both. Okay, nice, <laughs> nice. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna meditate on that. I'm gonna work on that. Uh, so, entrepreneurship obviously a part of your path. How did the military prepare you for that venture? Mm. Um, great question. One, the first thing is the E101 mentality that I talked about. You. I didn't have every answer. I had to sit down and either A, research it myself, B, ask people who have experience. I'm asking that sergeant, I'm asking, hey, sergeant, how do I do this? Or, hey, corporal, how do I do this? So that's something that, as I talked about before, that we, we sometimes forget that when we go from an, uh, uh, an active reservist mentality from the military sense and the civilians that we are bringing those same attributes right uh another thing is i think the military is a fast track for leadership the reason why i say this is because there's so many leaders that you bump into during your military career four years six years 20 years you're meeting different people something that you really don't get sometimes uh, most of the time in the corporate setting or your job you're usually stuck for a long time and you never get to really experience the other people in other divisions, let's say, in, in, in a company. When you're uh, a service member, you're going to meet other service members, other lead people in leadership positions that you go look at them and be like, 
hey, that's that's someone I inspire to be. Or I like a lot of things that he does, and I want to implement that in how I treat my soldiers, my Marines, my Coast Guard Airmen. Or sometimes you'll meet those people where I wouldn't follow this guy or gal to a McDonald's. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so I don't even want to follow it. So I think what the military has done for entrepreneurs, it, it builds a sense of leadership because you have so much experience of seeing leaders. And when you're an entrepreneur, you know, my friend was saying, you're the CEO, you're the chief everything officer. So the chief officer. sweeping officer the chief, if, uh, yeah. if you're starting out. Correct. You're, 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 doing, you're, you're, you're doing the marketing, you're probably the financial, you're probably the CEO, you know, you're, you're all these different positions, but you have to be the leader and, and position your company in a way to guide the ship to that direction. A third thing that I love talking about is resiliency. Um, the resiliency of, we have that mindset where you see a challenge. It's not a problem, it's a challenge. You see a challenge, you see that there's a wall and you need to either go around it, break through it, but you find the possibilities happen because you know you have to get to the other side. So one of the things that we've done is we've we've looked at our services and this is for anybody, not just our company. You look at your services. What's going on? Things are changing, right? We just said, we just talked about Semper Gumby, always flexible. You, if, if you don't change with technology, with the nuances, the trends, you're going to be stuck. You have to always be changing and be ready to make that next pivot. As, as it's a big word being tossed around, but it's, it's, it's important that you know that. In today's world, technology is, is fantastic. That's why I always have trouble sometimes when people ask me questions of what, what do you want to learn? Because in my head, I'm like, if I, if I want to learn it, I'm going to look it up. You know, there's there's so many avenues of YouTube is a big thing. And so I think a big thing is learning how you learn, right? For some people, it's learning uh, through books, visual. Uh, I'm a very big visual videos type of person. Uh, even though I do enjoy reading every time in and time out, I, I do spend a majority of my time looking at YouTube because there's so many visually pleasing in my eyes that I capture the, the content more than if I was just reading it. I would have to read things like once or twice. Um, so I, I I believe that when uh, someone that's looking to go through this path, there's so many resources, especially as a veteran that's walking, walking, trying to walk the entrepreneurship journey. There's so many resources in different areas, wherever you are, that you can look up. A lot of colleges are offering awesome classes for entrepreneurs. I think that's, that's a great resource. Sometimes you're a chamber of commerce. I took you know what I, I if i see anything that's for business for veterans that that that, that gives me more knowledge more resource I, i'm up for it there there was a thing for the uh the united states uh veteran chamber of commerce they did a damon john uh his package that usually sells for three thousand four thousand they were giving it free for veterans and i was just i jumped right on it but those little pieces gave me so much information on how to grow my business so i i, I believe it's just going back to the I, I keep saying time and time time again e101 ask questions know what you're looking do your research so many awesome resources out there so much awesome people that want to help you and you don't have to know i i don't I was a grunt. Like, what do I know about running a business? But what I do know is SOPs, making sure things are duplicatable, leadership, resiliency. Those are a lot of strong, those are a lot of strong characteristics for an entrepreneur. Being able to do your back end work, leading your team, 
logistics, timing, time management, people skills, communication skills. I could go on a whole array, but we sometimes just forget what we learned. And I, that's why I always believe that the military is such a fast track on leadership and all those other skills that, that could be highly used in, in, in as an entrepreneur. Absolutely. And you become your own commander. It becomes yeah. your intent that your organizational mission is set to fulfill. And, and there's a lot to be admired in that. I see and I come in contact with a lot of uh, veterans who are entrepreneurs just like yourself and they're mission driven. There's always something in the way that they deliver their mission as an organizational mission that sounds very similar to the mission that they had when they were in uniform. Correct. And something that I love to talk with my partners, mission first, people always. Always. So People always. before I let you go, I want to touch on education. You talk just very loosely about some of the some of the resources that higher educational institutions have available for entrepreneurship. The benefits that are available to service members will help them along their way. But where do you think education plays the most critical role in your journey? So I, I'll just be frank, I'm a history major. Something about history, you have to research and prove a point. So what I use my education is, my business is, I need to research a lot of things. I can't just say anything or believe in something in, in, in terms of business and not have a backing of statistics, of numbers, true numbers. Because if not, then it's just an empty sentence. You know, uh, something that I learned in my education, you say something and you back it up with three sources and then you talk about those sources. It's kind of like just how history majors, this is what I think, this is why I think it, these are the resources to back it up. Same thing in business. This is why I think as an entrepreneur, this is why I think it, and these are my resources. And if you don't have a plan, you know, the, the cliche is, you know, if you don't, have a plan, you plan to fail. I attended a university that that's a military university, not not a lot of people. So I got exposed more to leadership, more time management. Um, a lot of things of my education are a huge proponent of, of course, of why our business is successful as well. I really appreciate it. I want you to tell anyone that's listening where they can find you and the mobile cigar business. Uh, where can they find you? What do you need them to action? What do you need them to do? Come find us on Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, Twitter, at The Mobile Cigar Lounge. Visit our website, www.themobilecigarlounge.com. We currently service the ultimate cigar experience in New York, New Jersey, and Philadelphia area. So thank you again, and Semper Fi. Semper Gumby. Thank you for joining us here on The Third Lieutenant. Appreciate you. 245 years old, but still young at heart. Thanks for showing up for me, JD. And happy birthday to the core. I hope you enjoyed the first installation of Backstage with the Third Lieutenant podcast, made possible through a collaboration with the team at Project Refit. We've launched our campaign to reduce suicide rates among the military and first responders. 
The Project Refit Blue Sky app has a goal of reducing the suicide rate by combating social isolation. Look for them at the Apple and Google Play app stores. If you want to ping me, do so on Twitter at 3LT Strickland. That's 3LT Strickland. Next time, join me to hear the story of another service member right here on The Third Lieutenant. If you're experiencing a crisis or have a friend or family member in crisis, call 1-800-273-TALK. That's 1-800-273-8255. Press the number one for the military crisis line, or you can text 838255. I say again, 838255. The message we're sending through our collaboration with the team at Project Refit is no longer fight alone. Until next time, Stay balanced and walk in peace.